Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. Today, I'm talking with true triple threat Nick Adams, best known for his work in the Tony Award-winning Broadway musical Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and his work on shows such as The Other Two, Inventing Anna, Sex and the City 2, and Smash. He will next be seen as Cooper in the upcoming romantic comedy Fire Island, alongside Bowen Yang, Margaret Cho, and the film's writer Joel Kim Booster. The film is set for release on June 3rd on Hulu. The movie, a modern-day romantic comedy inspired by Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, is set in gay New York's favorite summer vacation mecca, the Fire Island Pines. The story follows two best friends who set out to have a legendary week-long summer vacation with the help of cheap rosé and a clutch of eclectic friends. Having never shied away from who he is, Nick has long been at the forefront of being a part of telling powerful queer stories— and this project is no exception. This film is a major motion picture that highlights queer joy. In a world where queer content can skew towards the sentimental, thinking Love, Simon, or the tragic, say, The Power of the Dog, making a story about gay love for a major movie studio is itself something of a radical act. In our chat, Nick shares his gratitude for being part of the ensemble cast telling the story, not only about love, but also shining a light on Fire Island and its rich history. We also chat about his participation in the new studio recording of Drag, the musical, which was recently released in May, and plans are already in the works for a stage adaptation. The musical, by drag legend Alaska Thunderfuck, tells the tale of two rival drag bars that go head-to-head for survival amid financial troubles. Nick stars alongside Michelle Visage, Bob the Drag Queen, Juju B, Peppermint, Margaret Cho, and more. Plus, as the world seems to be moving forward from COVID restrictions, he's resumed concert work, having just appeared with the Indianapolis Symphony, and, well, he's just busy, busy, an in-demand guy. I've known Nick since we performed together in Chicago the Musical about 20 years ago, and we all knew then that he was headed for big things. And he's a great guy. Take a listen to my conversation with the oh-so-talented Mr. Nick Adams. Nick Adams as I live and breathe. It's Randy Slavacek. <laughs> Hi, Randy. Oh, my gosh. I love this. It's been a long time. It has. I think the last time we saw each other, you were here in Las Vegas at the Smith Center doing Wicked. Wicked? Yeah. Yeah. Which was awesome, by the way. You were so, 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 so good. It was so good to see you after. Uh, how are you? Thank you. I'm great. I'm I'm really, I'm just enjoying the ride right now. And you are busy. You know, after two years of really not being busy, things are, are looking up. So it's good. It's nice to feel like I have a schedule of some sort, again, you know? <laughs> totally. It's like the floodgates open because you have Fire Island, the movie, Drag the musical, and I—I I was just looking at your Instagram. You just sang at the Indianapolis Symphony. I did, yeah. Oh my God, how impressive is it? How thrilling was that? It's such a singular experience to do symphony gigs because 
of that the magnitude of sound behind you it's just not the same as when you do a broadway show or when you do a like your own concert i mean there's so many pieces behind you that you feel i it's a, it's hard to articulate the the power that it has and sort of how it informs you as a singer but it just I really missed it. I haven't done it in a couple of years, but I, I worked with them at the Indie Symphony years ago before the pandemic was supposed to go out there and do sort of like a Broadway pop concert that got canceled, postponed first and canceled. And so I was happy that they were able to finally reschedule it and have me come back. It's, it's fun to throw on a tuxedo and, and sing on the stage with a bunch of a musicians whole lot of you. It's musicians. Really, yeah, yeah. It's, it's thrilling. It's really it feels powerful. So it was it was a great experience to get to do that and sort of just reintroduce me to that world after not doing it for so long. You know, from having two years where I I only was like singing in my apartment really occasionally. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was good to get back in the saddle. I just watched some of the clips of you recording Drag the Musical, and you just sound amazing. I forget. Well, I don't forget. But it's like when you first think of, oh, Nick's a dancer, too. And then you go, oh, but he's got that voice. And, oh, but he's in this movie. He's an actor, too. So you really do do all of these things really well. And not everyone does. You know, a lot of times people are actors and they sing a little bit or they something. You really do all of these things well. I appreciate that. The clip of you singing Drag the Musical was awesome. And you're very funny, too, uh, when you're talking about learning the lyrics and it's going by and it's 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 quick and everything. But um <laughs> I thought it was awesome. But first, let me ask you, tell me about Fire Island, the movie, because there's some very interesting things about this. First of all, you know, there's so much LGBTQ content happening now, like Hulu has Love, Victor, and now it has Fire Island, the, the movie. And there's so much LGBTQ content. When I was growing up, I, I can't imagine ever seeing this happen. The movie looks awesome. By the way, are you a Fire Island kind of guy? Like, do you go out there? Is it your thing? I love Fire Island. I, I have spent many summers. I've never had my own share, but I've gone out there many times throughout the years as being a New Yorker because it is so accessible yet feels so far removed once you're out there. It really does feel like you're on vacation. You know, you really get out of the city and you leave your work life behind and you can just escape, which I think is what draws so many of us there. Going out there to shoot was my first time out there in a couple of years, actually. So it was nice. I was so glad that we got the opportunity to actually shoot it on location, a lot of it on location there, you know, really make it authentic. And, and to kind of, a lot of our cast, it was their first time there. So they got to experience a little taste of what it's actually like, you know? When were you shooting this? We began uh, the first week of August and then we wrapped at the end of September. So it was like about two months. Some of it was on sound stages in, in the New York area and some of it was on Long Island, but a lot of the film was on the island. I think that it does a really great job of making you feel what that experience is like to go out there. I think it's a good love letter to the sort of choose-your-own-adventure aspect of the island. And, you know, the Pines and, the, and Cherry Grove are very different experiences. I love both. I appreciate both. I think as I mature, I'm more into the Cherry Grove sort of laid-back, take-it-easy energy that that cultivates it's more like that reminds me more of p-town which i've been to in more recent years more frequently it's just uh, got a slower pace a little bit uh, but but again like it really offers whatever you want it to be and i think that's part of the magic of what fire island is for a lot of the, the queer community the movie itself is a reinterpretation a gay reinterpretation of pride and prejudice the interesting thing to me and i had never thought about this but i was doing research and 
part of the turn of the story is once all the gays get out to Fire Island and they're having a good time and it's like our own community. And and I've certainly had that thing happen to me like I, I go on Atlantis cruises and I've been aware where you go, oh, my God, like and for lack of better language, oh, my God, I'm not the minority. Like all of us can hold hands in the hallway and not think about think about it or we right. all of us. And it's a very interesting thing. But you get out to Fire Island. Everyone's gay. They're doing their thing. But part of the turn of the story is that there are kind of there is some kind of I don't I don't I don't we use the word oppression, but part of this movie deals with the idea of some who think they're better than or there's there's this demographic of gay guys versus that demographic. And the movie is so diverse because so many of the leads are of Asian descent, it, which I love seeing. The gays will lead the way. We're going to be the ones that, that throw the diversity in there. But can you talk a little bit about that, where how that comes into play with the film and, and your character? I think with the, the inspiration, with Pride and Prejudice being the inspiration for the source material of this story, but retelling it through a queer lens allows us to look at social class within the gay community, which does 100% exist. And I think in sort of a microcosm that is Fire Island, it really lends itself for exploring the story and how that exists and how how beautiful it is that they that the romantic leads of this film are Asian Americans. I think that, and our director is a, is a gay Asian American. It really is groundbreaking in that regard. I, I am obviously represent a very specific cis white male that exists on the island and I'm sort of I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum of the social class as my co-stars Joel, Joel Kim Booster and Bowen Yang and, and Margaret Cho they so there's two contrasting houses it's sort of how the the class distinction distinction is established there's the ocean walk house which is the very affluent like right when you get off at the, the harbor you know there's like those massive compound homes and that's where I stay and then the other house the ocean the uh, tuna walk is more like a 70s laid back, rattan, smaller, more accessible, more comfortable energy. And just, it's, it's, it, they establish a difference in that regard immediately. So the aesthetic is already there. And then in, 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 in the fashion as well of what we wear and thoughtfully executed. Yeah. So I'm always in like Versace, Balenciaga, Gucci. I mean, it's just, I was trying on very minimal clothing in my, in my first fitting with our costume designer, David Tabert, but I was like, oh, I get who this person is. I know who this guy is now. And it was so much fun. I mean, isn't it funny how when we do roles, how and we all feel it, we all feel it, how the costume becomes part of that character and it informs you. You suddenly put it on and suddenly you look in the mirror and you go, oh, I totally know. Like you just said, I know who this is. I mean, I immediately flash back to Chicago. I never thought of myself as like the sexy kind of dancer, whatever. But boy, you get in Chicago and you put on that first tight, sexy black costume and suddenly you're like, hey, look at that. All right. Well, maybe I got something going on. But everything you do, whether it's a movie, a play, a film, TV, it's funny how the clothing really can inform. It really does. And that, I, I love that. I've, I'll never forget that moment of that first fitting and, and getting to try on a bunch of different options of wardrobe and settling on what, what you'll see a lot of in the film. I noticed myself like changing my stance and carrying myself a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And then as we brought that onto set, I, it helped. It really did inform and help me kind of find who Cooper, who I play, is. So it's all about. And for me, like it's really this character. He's all about the clothing, too. So it's just that is also why that was of, of such importance to him because his whole existence is really dependent upon the perception that other people have of him, that, like their gaze of him. It's, so his, his validity is like really contingent upon that. And he's kind of a vain 
I, I, a villain. I get to play uh, one of the main antagonists, which is so much fun. Oh, that would be fun. Oh, my God. Cause you never, yeah, I get to, I get to be a main girl. I know. <laughs> I know what it's unexpected for me. People are like, wait, you're, you're not like nice and approachable. You're not like one of their buddies. I'm like, no, no, no. You'll see. I'm not at all. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's so. fantastic. I do want to touch base on Drag the Musical because I did not know about this project until recently. And you play Alexis Gilmore. Is this like a concept album for a, a future production? or Because this is all driven by uh, Alaska, who's one of the big stars of RuPaul's Drag Race. I recorded the concept album in L.A. in October, like right after I finished the film. It's kind of a reverse <laughs> sequence of events of how you normally roll out a new show. It's interesting because these a lot of the cast on the album are you know a dra drag race alumni and they have a huge following and they've got great musical chops and so they used a lot of these people these drag queens on this album and it's got now a lot of hype around it and buzz just be based on on how established they are and and their followings after being on that show i mean it's it's really kind of smart marketing way to kind of go at it from this angle but so the album will come out i can't say there's an announcement coming out about what the next step of this is mm -hmm. i'll be out in la um in early june to kind of start working on it on its feet a little bit so stay tuned for the next soundbite on what's happening with the show but it is thrilling and i it's a really fun story about these two uh rival drag clubs that are across the street from each other and they both run into financial trouble and kind of need to unite to save each other um, and there's a lot of subplots underneath there, but I, once again, I'm, I think this will be the fourth time I'm playing a drag queen in a musical. <laughs> wild. Not something I ever here. thought was, that was my career would, would be, but like I was doing an, er, an interview earlier today and, and I said, you know, I, I kind of, after I did Priscilla Queen of the Desert, tried to, to shy away from auditions that came my way that had anything to do with drag. And I said, you know what? I must be good at this. Like I just got to <laughs> lean into my strength. And yeah. so, you know, here's another one. That's I'm right. I'm excited to see how it turns out. I'm thrilled. It'll be a lot of fun. I loved watching the video that you have on Instagram. Uh, it, it, one of the lyrics was, uh, two bitches are better than one. And yeah. so that kind of <laughs> informs the whole show, I guess, to a degree, in that, that they have to, to team up and everything. But hey, at least you don't end up a scarecrow, so there's that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Was it weird when you started shooting the film, when you started shooting Fire Island, the movie, was it weird to, like, be interacting with people and being out and open? I know for me, when we took masks off, finally, I felt like I was streaking when I went to the grocery store without a mask off. It felt very weird. So this is way earlier in the pandemic and everything. So we were, like, still in the middle. Like, we're, like, in Delta time and everything. Did it feel weird to jump back into... Not not acting, but production, like interacting and being at work. It, yes and no. I think I just was so happy to be around people. <laughs> I mean, you know, after after not being for so long, I and I did learn to appreciate just sort of stillness and being with my partner and all the all the the good takeaways from such tragedy. I think I really put stock in that. But I was excited to be back to work and just creatively exercising again. Our crew worked so hard to keep us safe. No one, thank God, tested positive. We didn't have to shut down at all during the two months. Wow. Um, and that's all departments. You know what I mean? If one person, you know, got sick, that we would have, we were all were in close proximity, but they were just, you know, we were in masks anytime we weren't shooting. There was, there were so many um, precautions and protocols. I, and, and then I think the main reason we had to build some sets on sound stages was just, be, just because of 
pro, uh, COVID safety, honestly, for the amount of people that we needed to have in one place at one time to have the um, appropriate ventilation. And just it wasn't certain certain shots weren't weren't um, going to be within the safety requirements. And so they, that's why they had to end up like building certain things. I think I didn't feel weird at all. I felt like it was it's such a small family of a cast so that we, really when we were shooting, we weren't really around a ton of people. And anytime they yelled cut, there would be a COVID compliance officer coming over to make sure we all had our masks on and we were abiding by all the protocols. But it just, it felt really, really thoughtful and really safe. It didn't feel weird in that regard, I guess. I, I just was excited to be with people and be working again. I can completely see that. One thing about seeing Fire Island, the movie coming, I like seeing the whole title, Fire Island, the movie. Yeah. One thing about hearing this coming out, and we just heard about the third season of Love, Victor is coming and as I mentioned earlier, there's so much LGBTQ content that's happening, and it makes me feel really happy, mainly because we didn't grow up with that. And I think, rep you know, it, we keep hearing the phrase representation matters, and of course it does. But when we see ourselves on the screen, on TV, and blah, 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 and it just kind of – I hate the word normal – but it does normalize the fact that we all exist and everything, and it makes me happy, especially when it's a rom-com. You know, uh, the the uh, the Hallmark Channel is doing mm -hmm. its its Christmas movies, and Jonathan Bennett just signed. Uh, I know Jonathan, and he just signed a, a deal uh, with them. And I love seeing that there's stuff out there that represents us, and we don't have to be self-conscious about it anymore. It used to be uh, a few months ago, I wrote about the 40th anniversary of a movie called Making Love, but it was like the first like mainstream studio movie about a guy coming out, and it was you could feel people being uncomfortable in the in the cinema in the movie theater, and now I feel like we've gotten so much further past that and it feels it, it, not to be like you know a little Gladys or you know uh, but I'm I'm so happy that like we have stuff to like see us and it's normal it I hate that word but it's normal we're here and it's us and it makes me happy I, I couldn't agree more I was talking with my partner last night we we started watching is it called heartbreak heartbeater heartbreaker heartstopper heartstopper thank you we just started that last night and after the first two episodes, we turned to each other and I was like, can you imagine growing up and having something, having access to watching something like this? Right. I just, and I think for my generation, we just didn't have, it wasn't in the open. It, everything was taboo. It was, you couldn't explore who you were because of the heteronormative constraints put on us as kids. And so it's always, it was always coming from a place of apology or trying to hide something. And so... I, I just can't imagine how freeing that must be to see representation everywhere on every streaming platform. I mean, and that, that also is why this is so important to me that to be a part of a gay rom-com that really isn't overly sentimental and it's also not a tragedy, but it's coming from a major movie studio is really one of a kind. It's just a, a real honor to be a part of it. Well, congratulations on the whole thing. I can't wait to see it when it comes out. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It looks like it's going to be lighthearted. And it looks like it's going to make me happy, which these days, that's will. the kind of stuff we can <laughs> use. So so congratulations Absolutely. so, so, so much. And thank you for having the time today. Really, I really appreciate it. Congratulations, Nick. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. It was great to reconnect with you, for sure. Thanks so much for having me. Don't forget to check out Nick's new movie, 
Fire Island, which lands on Hulu Friday, June 3rd. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with your friends. I like to think of The Randy Report as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember you can find me every day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. Thanks for listening, folks. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you next time.